What turns you on and what turns you off? Turns out that we each have an ever-evolving erotic blueprint. And once you understand this aspect of yourself and this aspect of the special people in your life, you'll be able to reach new heights of pleasure and intimacy and avoid the obstacles that might be getting in your way. It's a deep dive into the erotic to kick off a new year and a new decade on this week's episode of Relationship Alive. Now, once you know your erotic blueprint type, you're going to need some special skills to be able to communicate about that with your partner. To that end, I recommend that you download my top three relationship communication secrets. These are the kinds of things that when you put into practice, you can talk about almost anything and still stay connected to your partner. In order to download the free guide, just visit neilsatin.com slash relate, or you can text the word relate to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Also, just a reminder that Relationship Alive is my offering to you so that you can have the best relationships possible. If you are finding the show to be helpful to you or to people that you love, please consider a donation to help support us in our mission. Every little bit counts. And this week, I would like to thank Maribeth, Kent, Sarah, Dave, Judy, Michelle, Joseph, Ruthanna, and Holly. Thank you all for your generous support of Relationship Alive and our mission. And to pick something that feels right for you, just visit neilsatin.com slash support or text the word support to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Lastly, just a reminder that we've created a Facebook group where we're creating a safe space to chat about whatever's going on in your relationship life with other people who listen to the show and are of like mind, body, heart, and spirit. Uh, so come find the Relationship Alive community on Facebook. That's it. Let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Relationship Alive. This is your host, Neil Satin. We have covered in more than 200 episodes all kinds of conversations detailing the nuances of having an amazing relationship. We've talked about communication. We've talked about overcoming problems and obstacles and healing trauma and being present. And we have, of course, also talked about sex and the erotic. And it's important to dive into this topic, I think, a little bit more deeply than I have in the past. Um, early on, I wanted to bring voices to you representing different kinds of sexuality, um, different ways of exploring sexuality that were more oriented towards um, slow sex or tantra. We talked to Diana Richardson. We talked to Margot Anand. Um, and now what I'd love to do is to open this conversation up further to the idea that there are actually different kinds of erotic types that we 
that we inhabit. And um, in order to have this conversation, I th- which will, I think, help you really get to know yourself better in the, the sexual and erotic realm and also get to know your partner, if you're partnered or partners, um, or if you're out dating as a way of diagnosing what's happening with the people that you meet and, and getting a sense of where you're compatible, where you're not, and where there's learning and curiosity that opens up for you. It's fascinating. Um, I had a friend who sent this link to me randomly not that long ago, and it was to the work of Jaya. And I had actually heard of Jaya's work, um, but I hadn't really honestly paid any attention to what she was doing. And uh, But there's something about this link spoke to me, and, and I decided to uh, take her quiz and listen to her on another podcast, and, um, and I was fascinated. I learned so much about myself and about things that were happening in my own life, and I knew that I wanted to bring this work to you. So for today, we have our esteemed guest, Ian Ferguson, who is Jaya's partner in business and in life, and who is uh, also responsible for the development of what we're going to be talking about today, which is your erotic blueprint, the, the, the thing that makes up who you are sexually and erotically and what turns you on, what turns you off. And we're going to dive deep into that topic with Ian. If you are interested in getting a transcript of today's episode, you can visit neilsatin.com slash erotic, E-R-O-T-I-C. Um, or as always, you can text the word passion to the number 33444 and follow the instructions. Uh, along with being Jaya's partner in business and life. Uh, Ian is also the co-founder of their company, and uh, he is a master instructor of the Erotic Blueprints methodology. And he's also someone who does a lot of conscious dance stuff, which I've talked about on the show over and over again. We finally have someone here who actually does the very thing that I'm talking about. So I'm really excited to have Ian here with us to talk about your Erotic Blueprints. And uh, Ian, Welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great intro. I just love all the seeds that you're planting about um, communication and learning and, and really using these kinds of tools to have a deeper understanding of ourselves and how we communicate with others about them. So that was, I love that intro. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. And I, I think that, you know, we talked about this a little bit before I hit record. It's so important, especially when you're dealing with any system that that gives you some information about you by telling you like, oh, you're an ENFP or you're a Scorpio or you're a a number four in the Enneagram, whatever it is, it's it's challenging for people sometimes to to break the mold of what they discover about themselves. Mm. Um, So I'm I want this to be a conversation that allows people and I, I know you're right here with me to tap into curiosity about their type and also to like push the edges of the box that they find themselves in and in fact to unbox themselves and and to stretch themselves. Perfect. Yeah, we often say about the erotic blueprints which we'll be talking about in more detail here that when you discover your primary erotic blueprint type, it's actually showing you more where you're limited than where you're resourced. 
um, because the, the, there's this whole range, there's this smorgasbord of opportunity erotically in the in the world of pleasure available to all of us, and many of us are accessing but a very small be, p- piece of that smorgasbord. You know, we're eating, um, you know, the beautiful strawberry when there's chocolate and truffles and steak and you know a beautiful garden of vegetables at our fingertips. Yeah, and uh, this reminds me probably for obvious reasons to you, a lot of the love languages. And when I um, have been introducing people to your work, just friends of mine or or acquaintances, um, I've I've drawn that analogy. It's kind of like the love languages, but for sex and the erotic. But one of the things that I think is so challenging about the love languages is that people sometimes find out what their primary love language or you're supposed to find out your primary two love languages and then they just kind of stop there Mm -hmm. um and then if they're if they're if they take it a little bit further they figure out what their partner's love languages are and then hopefully they really learn to speak each other's languages but in the end where i always come down to is i don't think there's anyone who doesn't appreciate or have the capacity to appreciate all those love languages um, and so I'm curious before we dive into like the specifics of the blueprints, do you, do you feel like that's true for them that there's an evolution towards kind of being multilingual across the love languages? That's just like natural if we're allo- well, we allow I- ourselves to be open or. What do you find? Yeah, I think that that's the ideal almost of any of these typing systems is that it's not just about understanding your first primary access, the place where you're most resourced. It is a way of articulating and speaking to all of the other types of people that there are out there, all the other types of eroticism. One of the things that Um, I just love about our community in particular is that often in the realms of sexuality, when you're in this stage, you're curious, you're adventurous, you're looking to to expand into something new or there's parts of sexuality that you're hearing about and you, you don't have any idea what they are, say in the kinky realm or around Tantra, the communities tend to be kind of siloed. They're brilliant. There are many brilliant communities that deal with all of these forms of sexuality. But when you want to find find out about kink, you end up walking over into the kink realm. When you want to find out about energetic or tantric sex, you walk over into tantra. And they're very different communities. And one of the things that the blueprints have allowed us to do is to speak to the full range of eroticism and bring all of those people essentially under one roof. So, you know, we'll see this in our community, even in my own relationship, where, um, you know, somebody who is an energetic, they have a kinky partner and they have no real way to merge or meet. And if the energetic is going to take the kinky person to their energetic tantra class, that kinky person may actually be totally turned off. They, they won't have a deeper understanding. It just won't appeal to them and vice versa. The kinky person taking their energetic partner to the kink environment may find themselves contracted and re-traumatized or they just don't understand what's going on in that community. Whereas in a community where all of the languages are being spoken to, there's an opportunity for people to see a multitude of people operating with a variety of these erotic blueprint types under one roof and to start to have a way to bridge the gap and uh, create inclusiveness for all of those communities to be able to, to have a conversation together. Yeah, when I imagine being in that community, I imagine what it would be like 
to be with someone who was or to be just like having a conversation with someone where my type is just as valuable as theirs is. And that was something that for me was so eye opening, even in just taking your quiz, which, by the way, if you visit uh, eroticbreakthrough.com slash alive, you can take the quiz that helps you diagnose what type you are. So um, that's fun. always fun to take another quiz online. So I <laughs> should definitely go check that out. Um, but I took, sure. I took this quiz and what I found was that it really helped normalize mm. some things that I was experiencing that I thought were maybe bad or that mm. I had, that I had judgment about in myself. Mm. And, um, we'll get further into this, but one, uh, I'm, I actually have a lot of the different types in me. I'm, I'm the shapeshifter, um, type, which we'll, we'll get to, but I'm very strong in energetic. Mm. And so it was really easy for me. And I, and I mentioned, I had a lot of probably very energetic oriented people here on the show. Mm. Um, and, and you talk about, um, one of the shadows of the energetic being, kind of downplaying other kinds of sexuality. And I think I was doing that for the other kinds that live within me. Um, uh, mm. So it was really wild to take the test and to accept myself in a new way, sure. um, as well as to have that language to bring to other people. Yeah, one of the things I get most touched by in responses that we get from from like your your sharing, even people who just take the quiz, even if that's the only step that they've taken, we will get emails from people or at workshops that we're teaching. I'll get stopped by the the attendees who will, with tears in their eyes, just talk about wow. I, now I don't feel alone. I thought that I was weird or messed up or, you know, crazy. Um, and in, you know, like the energetic type is one of the blueprint types. And and for the energetic, energetics are often highly sensitive. They're, they're very aware of uh, their empaths. They're connected to their environment. And the types of orgasm that are available to an energetic can sometimes look quite um, strange to somebody who doesn't have access to that type of orgasm because they'll be releasing uh, kundalini energy or having kriyas. So, and those will show up as sort of muscular spasms in the body. So, especially in the case of cock-bodied um, humans who tend to be stereotyped into the sexual blueprint, many of the the, the male-bodied people, cock-bodied people will uh, all of a sudden feel seen and heard for the first time because they've been putting on a mask of being a sexual when their entire system is geared towards being an energetic. And then you also spoke to the hierarchical. I think we're probably going to start confusing people too much <laughs> if we keep talking about the types without getting into what they are. Um, but you did mention in terms of the energetic, there can be sort of a hierarchical viewpoint of the energetic, that uh, energetics tend to be associated with um, spirituality connected to sex. So a uh, sexual act for many energetics needs to fall into the realm of being a spiritual event, and they may have judgment or look down on, this is a shadow aspect of the energetic, they may look down on people who might be a sexual type or a kinky type as that that form of erotic expression is not spiritual to them. So these are all interesting distinctions of all of the, the five blueprint types that uh, we've uncovered. 
Yeah, we're we're dancing around a little bit, but let's let's um as you suggested, kind of dive in and detail each one a little bit more. Um, so, and we've spent some time on the energetic, so maybe let's flesh that one out a little bit more and then we'll, we'll kind of move through the others that we've chatted about already. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. So the energetic is turned on by anticipation, tease, space. They're very sensitive, energetically sensitive, environmentally sensitive, often emotionally sensitive. And this is this is the superpower of the energetic type. They have the ability to be in an orgasmic state without even being touched. The breeze that blows across the hairs on their arm could send them into orgasm. A connection to themselves or the environment and some sort of spiritual connection could put them into an orgasmic state or into actual orgasm. So this is an amazing superpower for the energetic as well as a, on the flip side, can be a bit of the shadow or the challenge for the energetic because because of that hypersensitivity, if um, if somebody moves too fast, too quick, and goes too deeply into the space of an energetic, it can turn into overwhelm and shutdown. So that the all the systems for the the energetic will get overwhelmed, and they may actually be completely turned off or flatline in their turn on because the space has been collapsed. So if you're listening to me talking about this and let's say you have that experience of you're about to kiss somebody and it's there's all of this energy and all of this turn on happening as you're approaching the kiss maybe teasing out the kiss a little bit and for you when you actually kiss the energy or the eroticism the turn on goes down significantly or maybe completely collapses that might speak to you being an energetic type Got it. Got it. And um, I think you also mention in one of your guides about um, energetics being able to respond to someone's hands being placed just above their body. So like not even literally touching them, but just being in their energetic field. Yes. And so this is this is the fascinating thing and also something that if you are if this is not something you have access to um, at this point and your lover does it can be quite a bizarre experience. You know, I didn't really have any access to this energetic uh, turn on when I was first partnered with Jaya. She's highly energetic. She's trained herself to be even more energetic than I think she naturally was. And she would have Kriyas. Um, I could, I could, you know, put my hand above her body and she would be reacting to that without me even touching And um, because she's a teacher of sexuality and because of the type of relationship we have, I could witness her in energetic connection with other people and see these really huge expressions, these physical manifestations of of her orgasm when a person was a foot away, even 10 feet away. And at first I would look at this and to be honest, I was like, oh, what is this woo woo, you know, BS? I'm like, (laughs) I don't know. This this is just people performing performing and they're they're making the stuff up um and it took me because i tend to be a skeptic before i accept something and even after i accept something i still have some skepticism about it but the um the thing around the energetic is first i started to have my own experiences with it and then i had a couple of uh trainings around something called um 
network spinal analysis, which is a form of chiropractic where they sometimes touch your body, but a lot of the work is done off of your body in energetic fields. And I had a couple of masters that I did a deep, deep workshop with, um, Christina and John Amaral, and they basically blew open my energetic receptivity. And after that weekend, I all of a sudden was able to tap into something that really looked pretty mysterious, if not, um, if if not completely inauthentic <laughs> before I tapped into it myself and now I'm like oh it's now it's it is interwoven in my eroticism it is interwoven actually in just sort of how I approach my day-to-day life mm. wow wow what yeah. a transformation for sure um I, I'm so fascinated and tempted to go down that road a little bit more. Um, <laughs> but before we do, let's um, let's sure. maybe jump to the next um, to the next type, and we'll probably circle back around to these. But just so everyone knows, um, how like loosely, how do you define a type? Like, what is what are the kinds of things that okay, I'm this kind of type, so. Um, that means that I have these kinds of physical experiences, these kinds of emotional experiences, um, these particular kinds of turn-offs, these particular kinds of turn-ons. Um, yes. So the turn-ons uh, or the superpowers, the blueprint, are the the positives or the things where the, you're going to have the easiest, fastest access to arousal, to turn on, to connection, and that defines often your – your access point or the positive um, blueprint that you may be. And then there are the shadow aspects of each blueprint type. And you can have the full positive of the full superpowers of, of one blueprint type and have the shadows of a completely other type when have the turn on and shadow and, and, and not have the turn on or shadow of those same types. I hope that made sense what I just said. Um, but the shadows are the things that are basically the breaks to your turn on. And Emily Nagaski in her book, uh, Come As You Are, talks about a bunch of research where the it is actually the breaks in people's sexuality, the, the things that put a stop to it that inhibit their ability to access pleasure or drop into expansion or discovery or a deeper understanding of their own turn-ons. And the shadow parts, that's what we talk about when we're talking about the shadow parts of the blueprints, those pieces that just shut it down for you. Um, and it's be- I, think, I think this lands better as I go through each blueprint type talking about the superpowers and the shadows of each one. So I can just jump into the sensual if you'd like. Sure. And, uh, and just as a mention for you listening, Emily Nagoski, whom Ian just mentioned, she was on the show episode 123. So wow, if, you, awesome. if, if you want to hear, uh, hear Emily, it's a fascinating work. So um, definitely she's check that awesome, out. She's awesome. She's so articulate about all of this stuff. So I, yes, yeah. I would recommend your listeners go listen to Emily talk about that or read her, pick up her book. Yeah. Um, so the sensual type, the sensual type is, um, was one of my primary types. I say was because I would say that I've really, uh, moved more into a shapeshifter in terms of my, all the superpowers that I've got going on. Um, but the sensual is the, 
type that brings artistry to sexuality. They are turned on by all of the senses being ignited. And that means that you can have an orgasm from eating that perfectly juicy, incredible strawberry. The sensuals will often, when they're eating, they're the ones who will be moaning. They'll be like, mmm, oh, mmm. <laughs> and you'll, you can tell a shapeshifter often by the way that they dress. They'll wear textures and layers and often be perhaps touching themselves. You mean essential? Uh, what did I just say? You said Sexual? shapeshifter. Oh, shapeshifter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, essential. Yeah. Will often be touching themselves, and um, they're, they're, one of their superpowers is the fully embodied orgasm. They'll find the orgasm all over their body, in, their, in the crevices of their arms and their legs, um, really, really fulfilling and rich. And a big difference between the energetic and the sensual, the energetic really gets turned on by that space, by the anticipation of the collapsing of the space without collapsing it. The sensual tends to want to get really snuggly and cuddly and tight and close in with their partner. So you can see where those two types might have a little challenge relating because one wants closeness, the other wants distance. Mm. The shadows of the sensual would be um, that they're the, those same things that can turn them on can become complete red flags and uh, become very distracting. A sensual can get very lost in their head and have a hard time accessing their pleasure because they can't get relaxed. They can't drop into the space. So let's say the lights are too bright or the music is the wrong song or too loud. They've got bills to pay or a call that they didn't return. There's socks on the floor. All of these things can lead to intense distraction of the sensual and when the sensual is not connected to their body they can't drop into their eroticism so uh you know often what we'll say is that the sensual needs to relax to have sex got it got it and um one thing that I'm curious about is language as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you talk about the different ways that we actually use words and our voices and how that can have an impact based on the erotic type that you, that you are. So how might that be different between an energetic and a sensual person? Well, there's so many aspects of speaking the blueprints, um, you know, I'll probably talk about this a little bit later, but we in in more detail. But we we talk about once you learn your blueprint and you learn the sort of basics of what turn you on, turn you off. The next step there is to be able to learn to speak, feed, heal, and expand your blueprints. So one of those is the one of those pieces is what you're pointing to, which is being able to speak the blueprint. And in speaking the blueprint, that's the full range of what it means to speak. So that can be the words that you use. That can be the body language that you have associated to your eroticism, what turns you on in that realm, um, and a congruency between, say, vocal tone and your energy and your presence. So between these two types of the energetic and the sensual, the energetic A light energetic. So, I mean, we can get into so many wonderful distinctions (laughs) about all of these blueprints. But there's a there's light energetic and there's the dark energetic. The light energetic, when when speaking or being spoken to, is potentially going to have a little bit of a loftier, lighter 
tone, maybe a little bit of lilting, but not not crazy melodic. Tends to be smooth and something that is going to be um, flowing, not staccato. This is so hilarious. I'm thinking of Marianne Williamson while you're... <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. But honestly, I think even like Diana Richardson, who's been on the show, you can hear that in her voice for sure. Yes. And they might choose language of, I feel so connected to you. I feel that we've been really connected through time. And this feels like a universal connection. And my heart is so, so is, it would be so open to you if, if we could just spend some time being present with each other. Mm-hmm. So absolute presence, clarity of, uh, of, per, of, 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 of intention and, uh, they'll often talk about the cosmic. Uh, energetic may also use their hands in sort of flowing patterns when they're expressing themselves. Mm. And then alternately, a sensual, they, they may have very expressive and they may get into very, you know, they may, may use tone and like really get into the richness of their voice and how they express. And they'll talk about, oh, the, mm, the, it's just so juicy and delicious what we're talking about. I just I just love, um, you know, they'll, they'll point to colors and all oh, the, the beautiful day outside and the trees are so green. So they'll notice all of those sensory elements and often be framing things in uh, the language of the senses. Mm. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So we can, we can pull out little elements of that as we talk about the other blueprint types as well. Awesome. Let's, uh, let's proceed to okay. the next one. Yeah. Excellent. So the sexual, that is sort of the zone where our society focuses advertising, um, what sort of put out front and center often in music. It's the stereotype of what sex should be. Um, and the, the sexual is one of the more simple. They, they just bring the fun. And and by simple, I don't mean there's not depth. I just mean that they're, they're, they don't overcomplicate the process of sex. It's about genitals. It's about orgasm. It's about, um, you know, fucking and coming and all of the the great things that just are raw, pure sex. They're going to be um, attracted to the physical. They'll, in terms of like the body language, a sexual may be the type of person you're talking to, and they're going to be scanning your body up and down more than meeting you in the eyes. They're they're. It, it, it's just that that sort of um, limbic, um, animalistic turn on, and their their superpower is that simplicity. They can go from zero to sixty in a zero in zero seconds flat, as long as they have certainty. Like, okay, that's what this is about. We're going to get down to it. I know I'm going to have the orgasm. It's kind of like if everybody has an orgasm, then it's all good. We that we succeeded, yay! And in contrast to the sensual, the sexual often needs to have sex in order to relax. Whereas you heard me say before, the sensual needs to relax in order to have sex. So um, there was some some point here that popped into my head about the sexual. And I'm forgetting it. <laughs> well, maybe it'll come back to you. But what you just said, I'm I'm curious about kind of the gendered nature of mm. particularly sensual versus sexual. Um, yes. Do you find that it's a um, male bodied versus female bodied thing or um, or not? Um, 
because that's kind of the classic the classic example right like the guy just wants to go straight to having sex and the woman needs time to like chill out and and um and really be relaxed and in her body and in a lot of cases that's true um so but what do you find in the as you've worked with you know hundreds and hundreds of people around this so yeah, genitals are not the, dis- the the descriptor or the diagnostic for telling us what our primary blueprint type is. We've had um, I think over 150,000 people take the quiz at this point. Great, and there is a light correlation to gender or genitals in terms of what we stereotypically think, but there is a large population of energetic, cockbodied people you know, walking around the planet. There are a lot of men like myself who are sensual. So gender does not really, is not really the deciding factor on any significant level of what blueprint type you are. Mm. Okay. Great. Good to know. Yeah. And I, and, and I mean, I knew that, but I, but I wanted everyone to 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 hear that. And (laughs) I also want to say something here too, that, that is really important that you, if you are not experiencing any of the ecstatic states or the you know sort of um, uh, forms of sexuality or the ease of access to your eroticism that we're speaking about here, you, there's nothing wrong with you. You are not broken. You are not wrong. Our deeper philosophy is that there's actually nothing to fix. It's really about creating an access to who you are first and foremost, so you accept yourself, so that you can honor who you are, where you are, and that then opens up the opportunity to explore and find out other aspects of who you are if you want to. So none of these are like, if, if you want them, great. If you if you want these heightened um, connections to your eroticism or your orgasm, fantastic. If it's not your thing, fantastic. Again, nobody's wrong, broken, and there's nothing to fix. Got it. Yeah, that's um, that's one of the things that for me, I think, was so freeing, even in just taking the quiz was was that feeling of like, oh, I'm I'm okay, just as how I am. Mm -hmm. And there was no aspect of the results of the quiz that said, here's where you're damaged or here's where (laughs) here's how you shouldn't be. It was. Yeah. So I appreciate that a lot. in uh, in this is also. Something that um, that's what it was, and it kind of t- ties back in again. There, there's the within within the realm of therapy around sex or sex therapy. There is often the um, putting of sex into the place of aberrant behavior, or um, you know, diagnosing things in the form. There's a word that's escaping my mind right now. Um, but associating different behaviors to, you know, the, the quote unquote unhealthy. Right. Pathologizing. Pathologizing sexuality. And a lot of the literature within that the that psychologists and therapists study really only refers to sexuality in the frame of pathology. So that is in, in their amazing sex therapists out there there and we have erotic blueprint coaches who are teaching our methodology where we're just and and these things have been changing in the dsm where you know kinky was a pathology uh, i think not only just not even 10 years ago and that has now been taken out of the dsm as a pathology so things are shifting and 
part of our work is the intent to accelerate that path towards acceptance that we are erotic beings. We are very diverse erotic, erotic beings. And if we, the problems tend to come more when we're shoving these aspects of ourselves in the closet and siloing ourselves and feeling lost and alone with no ability to articulate who we are and these natural instincts and being able to funnel them in a way that we're creating consciousness around them and that they're happening with consent that we understand how to declare boundaries we understand what consent really means and that we have agency in our own eroticism so it's it's very important to us to normalize um, consensual sexual behavior in all of its forms right and i i like that um the ability to bring consciousness to all of those forms. So I think typically one might think, for instance, of the sexual type as not a conscious type of sexuality. But in fact, if you bring consciousness to it and your awareness of how you are turned on by sight and sound and sexual language and and very like visceral um, sexual related things, then you are actually bringing a, a, a level of awareness that allows you to to um, evolve what, mm. how you how you approach that with other people and how you how your boundaries and edges bump up against someone else's. Yes, exactly. Love it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> let's let, let's go on to the next one. Um, so okay, we've done so- energetic, sensual, sexual, and now. Well, there would be kinky next, but with the sexual, we got to talk a little bit about the shadow aspect of the oh, sexual. Oh, right, right. Thank you. Yeah. So one of the shadow aspects is um, this this part of the sexual that tends to look to this is what sex is and the, why is everybody making it so complicated? So they can get um, short-sighted or single-focused and sort of miss out on that smorgasbord of availability. And the shadow is often more an interrupter for the partner of a sexual than it might be for the sexual themselves because there there could be just a, a lack of awareness or even an acceptance that there's more on the table, more on offer. There may be different ways of communicating about eroticism and, and turn on than just getting right to the act of sex and orgasm and, uh, you know, and genitals. So that can, that can be a shadow aspect. Um, another shadow aspect of the sexual can, uh, what we'll notice in some of our clients is that sometimes for the sexual, they, and this isn't true universally, but sometimes there will be being caught in an adolescent sexuality and we'll uncover that perhaps they were shamed very distinctly or told that their sexuality or turn on was bad. So they, at a very young age, sort of stuck it in a closet and they've never been felt safe to express themselves in their overt turn on by genitals and sex and the desire for it. So they will have certain behaviors that are just kind of unconscious around their sexuality where they, they, they may be less aware of a partner while they're engaged with that partner, the partner becomes objectified and feels objectified. So, um, this is, uh, this always feels a little challenging to talk about with sexual because it's, it sounds like 
a potentially like a judgment. But as you and I have been talking about, it's really just about bringing a new awareness to these things and being able to accept where we're at and then be able to expand out of that to, to give ourselves the acceptance so that then we can, we can actually get our eyes above the, uh, above the horizon and see more of what's possible. The, the sexual also, this isn't so much a shadow aspect, but the sexual sex is kind of like, like air and water. It is it is a necessity for a sexual. It is what has them feel connected to themselves, alive, um, dropped in. So a sexual who is getting plenty of sex and, and really feeling satisfied on that, that front is going to tend to be much more effective at work and in their other relationships. They're just going to feel like they're, they're together, they got it handled, and they can go out and conquer the world. On the flip side, a sexual who is not getting their sexual needs fed and fulfilled, they can really feel atrophied and starved and sometimes unseen in their relationship because they are looking for acceptance for that intensity of desire that they, that they have in their eroticism. Hmm. I'm curious as you talk about this, what you, what you offer couples where let's say someone who's a sensual or an energetic is with a sexual and it feels like typically the way I might have approached something like that is to encourage the the sexual person to really learn the sensual language, learn the energetic language. How do you help people who are more sensually oriented, who need the slowness, who need to relax in order to have sex? How do you help them meet a sexual person who wants that like visceral, quick, rapid thing? Yeah. So that is that is an incredible question and of course one that uh, can often the answers can often be very individual. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the other things that we say quite often is that if we we wish to bust the myth of sexual incompatibility. Mm. That we are not sexually incompatible. We simply do not know how to speak each other's language of turn on. And that is particularly apparent in the pair up that you mentioned here when you're talking about an energetic with a sexual. And oddly enough, you know, that's, we'll see a lot of that pairing, the sort of like opposites attract. And if you look at the, at the core of the opposite attracts piece, it has to do with these recognizing in someone else these unlived or untapped aspects of vitality that we don't understand we may look at and, um, you know, if we have, if we've, if we're in the pheromonal soup and we're in love with that person, those, if I'm a sexual and I'm, I'm getting turned on by an energetic, those in those, in the first flush of relationship, it may be like, oh my God, this person's so amazing. They're so unique. I love these pieces of themselves. And then as the limerence period wears off that initial six to two, six months to two years, and we fall back into our natural primary blueprint, then that's when the, the divergence happens. And we start to see the sexual gets frustrated by the energetics need. The energetic has felt that their boundaries have been crossed or they haven't spoken up for themselves and they've been trying to live and satisfy their sexual while um, completely 
crossing their own boundaries to do so. And then resentments build up and, and without the language of the blueprints, there's no recognition of like, oh, this is just our types speaking. And now there's an opportunity to bridge the gap and discover where we can meet each other. So there are a lot of ways that we go about um, bridging this gap in the work that we do. You know, and one of the things that I mentioned earlier is we've got the speak, feed, heal, and expand. And expanding into other blueprints is um, a big thing of what we teach and how you can work to bridge the gap if you find yourself in a relationship where you are in opposing blueprints. Um, another another way that we'll work with people is to find where there is synergy. So we've got something that we use called the sex communication checklist. And it's uh, a whole bunch of sexual practices broken down by blueprint type where you can say, yes, I'm interested in that. Mm, I'm, I'm a maybe uh, or I'm curious about that, and here are my no ways. And we'll encourage our par- our our um, you know couples or people who are in poly relationships or whatever your relationship configuration is, or if you're dating, we even encourage people who are you know getting to that stage in their their dating life to share the sex communication checklist with their partner, and you fill it out. Separately. You mean the first date? Sorry. Yeah. Well, for for us, we kind of do that. So Jaya and I will do that kind of thing with somebody that we're interested in because that's the way we want to have our conversations. Just like, boom, here it is. For others, you know, you may wait your second, third, fourth, tenth date. Just it's really your comfort level. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the the advice is to go and fill those things, those forms out separately and then come back and compare and contrast. So you'll find just in those areas where you're both a total yes, then you'll find areas where uh, you might have been a yes and they're a willing to or vice versa, you're a willing to and they were a full yes. Those are other areas where you can play. And then there's the no ways, which, um, you know, those the no ways can change over time. But when you're in the first flush of really starting to articulate where you do connect, my recommendation is to not push on the no ways to just get curious about them. Because sometimes there's misunderstandings about what those no ways really mean, um, especially when it comes to uh, zones of eroticism like kinky and energetic, where some of the language is not so obvious, um, and projections and um, stereotypes may may come in and, and have somebody judge what they think it means when somebody wants to do something like breath play or knife play. Um, so getting curious about what that means if you've got a hard no way but your partner's a hell yes to to some place where you don't meet up starting to ask questions well what do you mean by that what 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 would that provide to you if we did play that way um what if you know what turns you on about that so you start to open up a dialogue of empathy with your partner about what it provides for them um And that's actually a third thing that I would talk about, which is actually a primary aspect of any great communication, which is essentially curiosity first. So the moment there's a trigger, the moment there's a misunderstanding, the moment that something arises where there's discomfort or contraction, um, taking a breath, taking a moment and getting curious. What, What do you mean by that? What does that mean to you? Um, 
what what pleasure would that provide? Why is it important to you? Uh, instead of going into whatever our preconceptions may be, because we may be wildly off in in whatever caused us to contract or pull away or not hear our partner and their desires and needs. Yeah. Yeah. So there are so many different things that have come up for me over the course of what you were just saying, and I'm, <laughs> I'm going to try to distill it. Um, so one was the, the way that, um, cause you mentioned, uh, consent and boundaries as being mm-hmm. so important and, so how do you encourage curiosity while at the same time honoring boundaries? Um, you know, I'm thinking like, let's just take a, a, a an example just to like make it concrete sure. and, and we'll, we'll use this like problem situation. So you've got a sexual person who's just like, um, I just want you like when, when I get home from work, what would be amazing is you, if you just went down on me. Like, mm. And that would feel amazing to me. And their energetic partner is like, oh, my God, like, that's the last thing I want to do when you get home mm. from work. I, I need space. I need to, like, feel out how your how your energy is before mm-hmm. I'm willing to. Right. So um, so an energetic person might say, well, I have a boundary and, and that's my boundary. I'm not going to I mean, especially an energetic person. Right. Because they're all about the space where the sexual person is just like, no, come over here and like touch me do me you know in some way get, let's get to it yeah so how would you it's i think it's easy to like kind of go in the inverse way where you talk to the sexual person and be like you just gotta learn to be patient and enjoy the <laughs> anticipation right but but let's be fair here and uh-huh. and um so that's one thing and um and i want to just place that in the context of my guess which is that what comes up when a lot of people um, take your quiz and find out these things about themselves erotically um, is that you get the relief, the sense of, oh, that's who I am, or that's so freeing to to learn that about myself or to learn that and to guess that about my partner. But then there's the the pain of recognition like, oh, this is this is maybe also at the heart of some of the ways that we haven't been working so well. You know, we got through the limerence stage and and we've been in this place of tension and discomfort. So it makes me think about what you mentioned about the need for healing. And so it feels like those two things need to coexist because if you're dealing with this hypothetical, energetic and sexual couple if that's been going on for any length of time, there's going to need to be a context of healing that allows them to even step into that space. Sure. Ian, we need to take just a quick break to talk about this week's sponsors. Our first sponsor has a special offer for you to help you get exactly the kind of support that you need as you're creating that web of support for yourself that we so often talk about here on the show. One way that allows you to connect with a professional counselor in an online environment that's safe and private is today's sponsor, BetterHelp. With BetterHelp, you can get help on your own time and at your own pace. Along with scheduling video or phone sessions, you can also chat and text with your therapist. They're affordable and financial aid is available for those who qualify. So whether it's anxiety, depression, your relationship, stress, grief, dealing with trauma, or simply getting more intimately familiar with who you are erotically, 
whatever it is, definitely consider BetterHelp as a way to help you transform the places where you are stuck. Best of all, it's a truly affordable option because as a Relationship Alive listener, you get 10% off your first month with the discount code ALIVE. So why not get started today? Go to betterhelp.com slash alive. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash alive. Now, if you've spent any time around me, you may know that it's important to me to smell good. Well, to not smell bad, especially without overpowering other people with fragrance and without subjecting myself to harsh chemicals. Perhaps that's my sensual erotic blueprint type coming through. And that's where our second sponsor, Native Deodorant, comes in. With fewer ingredients that are easy to pronounce and found in nature, and Native is also completely free of aluminum. They offer free returns and exchanges in the USA, so there's no risk to try. And Native Deodorant comes in a wide variety of subtle, enticing scents for men and women, along with an unscented and baking soda-free varieties if you have sensitivities. They've had more than 9,000 positive reviews. And if you've heard me talk about Native before, then you know that I put them seriously to the test using their unscented variety, because I actually don't like any scents typically on my body, without having a shower. And I found that it not only worked right away to neutralize anything that was going on, but it was still working at the end of the day. And like I mentioned, they have a special offer for you. For 20% off your first purchase, visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code ALIVE during checkout. That's 20% off your first purchase when you visit nativedeodorant.com and use the promo code ALIVE. And now let's get back to our conversation with Ian Ferguson. One thing that's amazing about this conversation in general is how kaleidoscopic it is. Mm. As we open one topic, then it starts to thread into all of the other areas. I know. And we still have two more types to talk about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the – okay. So one thing is that it is going to be just as difficult, sometimes more difficult for the sexual to put the brakes on what they need and want. Um, and often that shows up in that they have been feeling unfed, like their libido is through the roof. They'd be having sex three times a day while their energetic partner needs the connection, the space, maybe rarely opens to full-on intercourse and eroticism in a way that both people are, are really feeling satisfied. So um, we're dealing with two – we're dealing with opposing blueprints and we're dealing with what appears from the outside to look like potentially an unbridgeable gap. And in that space, the curiosity piece is vital. The – Let's take it from the energetics perspective. And their sexual partner has just said this to them. This is really how I want it. I want you to go down on me the moment I come in the door. And from the energetic perspective, you could be saying first, acknowledging, thank you for letting me know that. I'd love to be able to provide that for you. And I'm, I'm, it's going to take some growth, I think, for me to get there. And I would like to know um, – one, what it provides for you. Like, how does that make you feel? 
so that as an, as the energetic asking that question can start to bridge the gap and create an empathetic bridge of really understanding how their partner gets fed and sometimes um, even just really opening up the dialogue so that the uh, anybody in the relationship can be fully seen will take the pressure down mm-hmm. several inches of it's got to look this way. I've got to, you know, I come home, we've got to be able to take my pants down and you got to go down on me. That's the only way it's going to be. So allowing for it to, to be seen and heard and say, God, I really want that for you. I want that for us. And I'm scared because I, and, and getting into personal vulnerability, I'm scared in, in it as well, because I want to provide that for you. And I think if I do that, I'm going to actually contract and feel less close to you. So I, I want to figure out a way to do this, but I really want to figure out a way to do that so it works for both of us. Are you willing to explore and figure out how we can do that? So then that leads into the exploration and, and deeper curiosity and starting to find ways. So we're, we're getting some synergy here, hopefully, between two people willing with willingness that's a primary need inside a relationship, a willingness to try and meet each other mm-hmm. and see each other. And then starting to play with what we think it's supposed to look like. So, you know, a specific example with the energetic may be, you know, you're away at work all day. I don't really have any idea where you're at. I don't know what you're going to be like when you come in the door. And if you're full of stress and anxiety, I pick it up immediately and I'm, I just feel tensioned and I, I don't feel comfortable feeling close to you. So why don't we try um, that throughout the day you'll send me a text um, giving me a, uh, where you are emotionally and giving me a piece of uh, telling me some way that you love me. So it's an energetic foreplay. So there's a sense of connection while the person's away at work. And it's not this immediate leap into um, just genital-based sex, but they have some connection. And when you come in the door um, for a week, let's try where – or for the, for the next two weeks, we'll, we'll try we'll, – we'll do this and I'll, um, I'll go down on you shortly after you come home from work. But what I want to try – to get there is I'd like five minutes of eye gazing and breathing together and then I'll go down on you. So starting to get into basically the science of your turn on and your partner's turn on and finding ways where you can bridge the gap and there's no compromise. Mm. One of our mentors, Kelly Bryson, who wrote the book, Don't Be Nice, Be Real, has a beautiful phrase I love, which is compromise is resentment 50-50. <laughs> so the, and, and his, the whole book is about nonviolent communication and the real gift of nonviolent communication from my perspective is the ability to um, find such a deep sense of empathy with the other that you find synergy such that you can figure out how you can meet each other's needs willingly without any compromise and get really creative about how you get to that solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
that's I, I want that for all of you listening. I want you to have mm-hmm. that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so just as a reminder, if you want to take the quiz to figure out what kind of type you are and you and you get a, a nice breakdown of what percentage you are of all the types and we still have two more to talk about you can visit eroticbreakthrough.com slash alive um we we will have a transcript of this conversation at neilsatin.com slash erotic which will also have links to uh ian and jaya's sites um so you can get more information that way um and you guys do have uh, have a course right that that not only walks people through this stuff, but also helps them go through all these stages that you were talking about um, of expanding into each other's blueprints and ex- and feeding themselves and 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 there. Obviously, this is such a rich conversation. Um, so, what is the course that you offer people? Um, so we have a number of ways that we dive into this material, but the um, sort of the the entrance point is the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough course. And that is an online course. Along with it comes the opportunity to be part of our online community, um, our online membership group for three months as a, a bonus just to kind of dip your toe in there. And um, the Blueprint course is a very deep dive into the blueprints because the blueprints, as you may be picking up, are not just simply about a sort of surface level idea of what your erotic blueprint type is, but the blueprints are the core, your core erotic blueprint, what stage of sexuality you're in, what, uh, where you are with the four pathways to sexual health and pleasure. Um, it's a three, the, these are all aspects of our sexuality and we're really looking at sexuality as a 360 degree, um, you know, kaleidoscope of who you are, where you are in your life, what your aspirations are in your sexuality. And the blueprint course walks you through that process of really dialing in through games, like fun ways to discover what your blueprint type is, because you can take the quiz and that's your mind answering the questions. But when you get it in your body, you may get different answers. You may open up in ways that you you didn't that are, are surprised. Like, oh, an example of that is um, a lot of people will take the quiz and the written portion of something related to kinky uh, or even their predisposition to maybe have judgments about themselves around kink or shame around their kinky desires may have them answering those questions either a little more carefully or kind of avoiding the thing that might turn them on or it may not just even relate to them because it's not a physical experience. But when you you start doing things like our AB game or the body mapping, which are games that we lead you through, then you start to get a real sense of your pleasure map. And these are great things to do with a partner, with somebody you're dating or a long-term relationship to start to map each other's pleasure and start to really get a, a vocabulary and a way to articulate your, all your needs so you can get them fed and fulfilled in relationship. And then there's the health and wellness aspect of our sexuality, our hormonal health, our biochemical health, our bioenergetic health, and our emotional health. And this is another aspect inside of the Blueprint course um, where I had spoken earlier about the healing portion around mm-hmm. this, where we dive into those aspects, those things that may be putting the brakes on your sexuality, that may have you um, stopping yourself at that edge of where you really want to explore, where you really want to open up, there's a, a number of factors that go into really being able to to have a, a well-rounded vital vitality around your eroticism. 
So in other words, it's a super comprehensive course that where you would get a lot probably out of going through it. And um, if you take the quiz, then uh, Ian and Jaya will make you aware of how to how to get the course and and when they when they launch it and when it's available for you. So for sure, definitely check that out. Thanks for boiling that down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Quick uh, side note: you have you have definitely a hard stop at two thirty your time. It could go a little longer. Okay, because I'm just yeah. eyeballing the clock and yeah. want, want to honor your time. And Thank you. we have two more to do. Um, so, uh, and then you also do some some live events too, right? For Yes. Um, for people. So every year we do something called Path to Passion. That's um, that's sort of our entry level workshop where we introduce you to the blueprints on a deeper level. Uh, last this last year in October, we just do it once a year. We had uh, 540 people at this event. Um, it is a r- just a beautiful way to drop in, uh, start to get uh, familiar a bit with our community and some of our coaches and. Um, that's awesome. Our other workshops basically require you to have done that first workshop or at least uh, have gone through the Erotic Blueprint Breakthrough course because we, at each level of workshop that we offer, we go a little deeper. We get a bit more experiential with what we're doing. Um, again, everything at our live workshops is all very consent-based and based on um, you know respecting people's boundaries and not – doing anything to coerce anyone to do anything they don't want to do. The Path to Passion Workshop is, um, you know, I call it PG-13 because we definitely use racy language. We are talking about sex, but it's a close-on. Um, you know, it's not a – It's it, there's it, there are immersive practices that are part of it, but it's all um, pretty – digestible even from uh somebody who may be completely new to in mm, diving into their own sexual exploration got it yeah i could imagine being excited about something like that being really nervous about something like that sure it's good people who just say that they're terrified (laughs) to come to the path to passion and um you pretty universally on the flip side of it they're just like oh wow We've just we've, uh, you've just normalized a conversation that I've had so much tension about my entire life, and I felt so safe uh, in your community, in your environment. I felt taken care of, and you know, more often than not, than not, the the majority of people who come to that event come out with a stronger sense of their. Um, Accepting themselves, mm. accepting the conversation and feeling comfortable many times for the first time to even claim what they want, who they are and uh, expressing a willingness to you know go after it. Yeah, that was exactly the word that was coming to me, like fostering that willingness for themselves and in, in the way that they understand others, too. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so for for all those people out there who are like, when are they going to talk about the other two types? <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the we're using the energetic tease to That's right. hold out and have you want it really badly, or a little bit of kink in uh, not letting, not giving you what you desire. Yeah, let's transition to the to the kinky type. Kinky. Cool. So kinky actually ends up being my primary blueprint. It is my fastest path to arousal. The kinky uh, world is a vast, vast world. And 
simply put, we think of kinky as whatever is taboo for you. And that may run counter to the stereotype um, that people witness and see, even from movies like Fifty Shades of Grey, where often it's the edgier aspects of kink that are that are labeled as kink or seen as kink the leather the dungeons the the whips and chains pain these aspects of kink and they are they are part of the world of kink but they are only one segment of it so whatever taboo whatever is taboo for you uh for example um jaya had a, uh, some clients in her practice who had been married for 40 years they went to the same restaurant every tuesday night i then th- every thursday night they would have sex and that was their and they would only have sex in missionary position so when they started coaching with jaya and they started exploring having sex doggy style or doing oral sex these things which may be very vanilla to your listeners or just most of your listeners that was really edgy hugely taboo and carried all of this thrill so that was kinky for them whereas for others kinky may mean you know intense submission submission scenes or intense intense rope tying um and mm, knife play could even be hooks. You know, it can get very, very, very intense. And um, further, we break down kink into two different categories. We think about the psychological kink, which deals more with power games, power play, um, control and surrender from a um, not so much like the constriction and bondage and that version, but more um, – somebody giving their power or submitting uh, to the person who's in control of the scene, psychological games of... Yeah, something like, come over here, you know, face the wall, um, like that sort of thing. Yeah, that that sort of thing. Yeah. Or you have to hold these um, paper clips on your fingertips with your arms outstretched, and if you drop one, you're going to get a punishment. So that would be a a psychological um, uh, predicament game. And then we have the physiological or the physical, which tends to be more the spankings, the canings, the um, constriction. I'm a big fan of constriction uh, as part of one of my turn-ons. So it's more just the physical aspects of it. And you can be both. I'm certainly both psychological and uh, physiological kink um, kind of blended together. And the superpowers of the kink also are they they're wildly creative um other superpowers of the kink would be uh, often in conscious kink which i would recommend you practice highly conscious kink and highly safe kink if you're interested in this uh realm of exploration um the one of the superpowers is also the um, creating of the scene, creating really clear boundaries, creating really clear consent conversations, and um, creating arousal and turn on by really setting up those scenes and scenarios with such clarity and holding those containers really powerfully. Other superpowers for the kinky, um, kind of like the energetic, is you can have orgasms without even being touched. So um, 
one example is a friend of ours was uh, did a scene with someone where they tied her all up. They tied her to a really powerful music speaker. They were cranking like heavy metal music, and they gave the impression by shutting a door that they had left her alone in that room. And so she was in this state of of fear, surrender, all of these endorphins running in her system, and from her telling she was left there for hours that could have been 30 minutes and it felt like hours um but then the the dom came in and slammed the door really hard and she had the most insane orgasm squirting orgasm that she'd ever had in her life and he didn't touch her at all wow so it the 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 that's an that's an incredible superpower of the kinky as well as being able to go into what's called subspace and that is that sort of endorphin rush where you completely surrender to sensation and um so and and it can often i mean for me the the couple of times i've accessed it it's essentially the same thing to me as reaching highly spiritual states through tantric sex or meditation because wow. you go into a oneness state where you have surrendered identity, you've surrendered any sense of time or space. And um, it's, it's for many people in the kink community, it's sort of the Valhalla. It's the, it's the thing you're seeking when you're doing this kind of scene work. Got it. Yeah. And uh, shadow aspects of the kinky would be sh- one of the biggest ones is shame. Yeah. So deep, deep shame. What's wrong with me? Why am I like this? Um, as Jaya and I, we use our our personal life as a petri dish of experimentation, and uh, that's where we've gotten so many of the games and techniques and things that we uh, that we teach. Is that we've played with this stuff in our own lives, and one of the ways that we dove really deeply into the realm of kink, kinky was a zero on Jaya's um, blueprint quiz, and it was. A, I don't remember what the percentage was, but it was like 47% on mine. It was my primary blueprint. So here, Jaya and I, uh, in our relationship, went through a three-year period of deep disconnection. I mean, we, it, uh, we, we were almost done. Wow. Uh, and she was an energetic sexual, and I was a sensual kinky. We were completely on opposite ends of the spectrum, and we didn't realize it because Jaya hadn't downloaded the blueprints yet. She, they were starting to come into play, and she was trying – she was coming home from strip classes and doing cat pounces and trying to turn me on in a se- sexual blueprint while we were in this period of time. And I, I – my sensual was kind of like looking for that closeness and connection and down regulation while she was jumping in with, I need sex. I want sex and approaching me from a sexual viewpoint. And we were just missing each other entirely, feeling unseen, unheard. Uh, Jaya was crying herself to sleep at night. And I was, you know, my confidence was just dropping through the floor. And in that state, I was pulling back and not giving her my presence. So we were really headed towards the end of our relationship until this stuff started to get dialed in of like, oh, that's who you are erotically. Uh, Wow. (laughs) Okay. Now I can start to learn how to speak that. Or when you come on to me in that way, I know what it means as opposed to thinking you're just imposing what you want on me and and I'm I'm a tool of your turn on, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think in the interview I heard with Jaya, um, she spoke a little bit about that and and her journey from. Well, she was writing a book on kink, right? Or yeah. did that come yep. first? Like she she got the book the book deal, and she's like, "All right, now I got to figure this out." Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had we had done we had uh, gone into some stuff that we teach that, that really started to heal our relationship, which is um, actively putting ourselves in sex life challenges where we're taking on a form of exploration and setting it in a calendar and you know making a date to explore in that way. And that was the one of the big beginnings of the healings and in, inside of our relationship and also diving into the kink realm which you're exactly right jaya got the book deal to do the book on kink and then had to do a bunch of research because she didn't know anything about it um and we dove into a 40 40 experiment where for 40 days jaya dominated me and i was submissive we took 10 days off and then i dominated her for 40 days and she was submissive um and during those days we were studying with kink experts in the bondage realm and the psychological kink realm um, in all sorts of areas of kink to really get a full understanding of what the world was about. And that's when, like I knew I was kinky and I thought it was, you know, a little bit of light bondage and some, you know, uh, gender play and, and things like that. But the level and depth of my kink fully came into fruition when we started diving into this 40-40 experiment. I had no idea how much of a turn on it was for me and sort of how deep it went in my erotic map and nor did Jaya. So this whole aspect of my eroticism wasn't even being seen or honored by both of us. And one of the things I kept asking, you know, 30 days into my being submissive to Jaya was like, why does this stuff turn me on? Mm. This is, I, I mean, I don't have, there's this, um, Assumption or this um, this prejudice to think that kink is born out of people who were abused or or have some dysfunction, and uh, I had no sexual abuse. I had none of these things associated to that. So I'm like, what <laughs> what is this about? And one of our kink teachers during this kept hearing me ask the question. They said, "Stop asking the question and just enjoy yourself." and it was like it was such a just like a breath of relief of like oh yeah right it doesn't have to mean anything it's just what turns me on Mm. and i can play with it and as long as i'm playing with it safely and consensually it's a beautiful exploration yeah and was there anything in particular that you recalled jaya doing that helped her with what I imagine might have been challenging as a primarily an energetic, which is her judgment around it. Yeah. So there were a bunch of trigger things for Jaya in the realm of kink. One was how far out my edges were because she couldn't find them. Mm-hmm. So, she, you know, there's there's um, in kink play, you'll set a scene, um, you'll begin the scene, you'll end the scene. And there's something often called aftercare where um, in most circumstances, um, from my knowledge, the aftercare is usually guided towards making having the submissive come back to their body and feel comfortable and connected because they've often gone through a very intense experience. Well, a dom can also go through a very intense experience because they're holding the container for any number of you know edgy sexual explorations and for jaya who's energetic uh you know when she she first started doing kink she would um and was getting trained by a kink master she would give somebody a um a spanking 
and she'd smack their ass and then she'd go, are you okay? Are you breathing? (laughs) (laughs) And the submissive would look up with her with like anger in their eyes. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And so the kink person was like, no, that is not it at all. They're, signed up for this this is what they've agreed to this is what they want it's you're not going to check in with them after you know everything that you do the time for that is in aftercare after the scene is over so anyway we would do these scenes and jaya would be you know going pretty deeply into anything from um you know we'd be playing with caning one session we'd be playing with with um uh really derogatory language in another session and usually we'd come out the other other end of the scene and she'd say i need some cuddling i need some aftercare so and i'd come out like oh my god that was great we could have gone so much further and with no need for aftercare because i was just in a state of turn on and fun and arousal mm-hmm. So aftercare was a big thing. Um, when I was dominating Jaya, it, we started to uncover some of the aspects of her trauma inside of that container. And we got a kink-friendly th- uh, therapist, and we uh, took their advice, and we incorporated what they were telling us to do inside of our kink scenes. So we didn't put a, a, a stop to our exploration. We just put new... Um, boundaries and containers so like we were playing with gagging her and because she needed her to have her voice we took gagging off of the 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 play um because there were things that would happen if she had her eyes closed we took blindfolding out of the erotic container so that she could have agency so she could have her voice and uh it's often said about kink that kink is not a is not therapy but it can be therapeutic um, and done in the right ways and with the right consent, with the right establishment of the container and with safety, it often can be a way even for people who have had trauma in their past or been abused to reclaim agency in a situation where, uh, you know, uh, when it happened to them earlier in their life, they had no agency. Right. It, was, it was being dominated and taken advantage of without having any control. Well, we are definitely going to have to have the conscious kink episode because I can tell there's there's lots to talk about there um, in particular. Yeah, yeah. Wild. But I I appreciate your I mean, it's obvious considering what we're here to talk about, but just your ability to share in the personal aspects of that journey and and what you and Jaya experienced, I think with any of these things, it's so easy listening to kind of idealize or project onto you like, well, that must have been so freeing and, and, and to miss the ways that it was challenging or the fact Mm. that you guys were nearly done before you, you really started that exploration. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me just dive into the shapeshifter so we don't miss any of the blueprints. Yes. Um, so the shapeshifter is the sort of like the the tends to be the most sophisticated of all the blueprint types. And the shapeshifter is turned on by all of the blueprint types. They are um, the you know, you may lead with a primary. So I've I've ventured pretty much into shapeshifter category where I can be turned on by all of the positives of every blueprint type. But my leads, my primaries are still going to be kinky 
and sensual. Those are the things that are going to allow me to get to arousal, and then we can bring in the energetic and the sexual and vary those things. So the the super one of the superpowers of the shapeshifter is that they are turned on by all of it. A shapeshifter who is matured in their in their erotic exploration can be the ultimate lover because they can shapeshift to please any of the blueprint types. So they have all the skills, they have all the turn-ons, and they have access to all of those superpowers. The shapeshifter, like an energetic shapeshifter, is, is, can be almost like the um, Stradivarius violin of eroticism because they have such um, a, a, um, access to energy and what's happening in a space and so much aliveness in their body and then they have all of the other pieces of turn on available to them so very very fine instrument the energetic shapeshifter um the shadow sides of the shapeshifter are often being starved and feeling starved because they are shape-shifting to feed other other blueprint types they're not feeling fed they're not claiming um, their own desires a shapeshifter may have shut down their sexuality because they've been told you're too much you're mm-hmm. too big you're uh, you know you you want too much you're too loud so i'll give freedom to all the shapeshifters who are listening to this you are not too much you are not too loud the People, unfortunately, that you've been playing with just either don't understand you or can't play at the level to which you desire to play. So you've got a beautiful instrument. You've got beautiful access, incredible range in your eroticism. Um, Another challenge for a shapeshifter, we almost refer to this as a sixth blueprint type, which is a shapeshifter can have the shadow aspects of all of the types and that can be really challenging because at every turn there's something that could be the break to your arousal an energetic interruption a sensual interruption kinky shame um you know feeling shut down shut down as a sexual the all of those things can weigh on the the shapeshifter and and close off their eroticism so a shapeshifter uh, another key indicator of a shapeshifter to me is somebody who really loves to play in extended play. Mm. They, they, they have a, a voracious appetite for more and more and more with uh, some shapeshifters. You could be playing for three, four hours and be like, are you done yet? Do you get, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, we're just getting started. Don't go away. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So there might be some training involved, some endurance training for people who are <laughs> matched with shapeshifters. So. Yes. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's ways to play with a shapeshifter where you can incorporate toys. Toys are a really good thing to bring in with shapeshifter play. Um, you can also, it does, it can get very octopusy and kind of like uh, your limbs are all over the place with trying to really feed a shapeshifter fully if you've just it's a one-on-one partnership um but you can bring in vibrators or you know panty vibrators or butt plugs um you can use you can uh tie the shapeshifter down and and to incorporate the kink while you're bringing in other sensory play with scratchy nails or some kind of um choking or light energetic touch it's just there's so much to play with um and 
another indicator of the of the shapeshifter is that they can take tons of um, divergent sensory input all at once. Mm. So, you know, somebody who might have a couple of the blueprint types, uh, like a kinky central like myself, uh, if I if I didn't have my energetic and I didn't have my sexual um, expanded, I would be. Uh, and you started to incorporate sexual or energetic inside of a container where we're playing with sensual kink, I could get overwhelmed or annoyed and, and, uh, it'll be a shutdown for me. Whereas the shapeshifter is like bringing it on. I want more, you know, yes, throw in the energetic, yes, throw in the sensual. And, uh, it may be more about how you stack the blueprints for a shapeshifter than it is, uh, about them getting overwhelmed. They may never get overwhelmed as long as you uh, weave them in in a way that really turns them on. Got it. So that's all about games and ways of discovering which ones work, which ways of stimulating and diving deeper into that sexual sphere work well together for that particular person. Yeah, we call it the blueprint stack. It's a bonus thing that we offer as well as part of the blueprint course. Um, and so when you know your stack, you know the kind of waves, the, the first access point and how you can build on each blueprint level. So when somebody takes the quiz, make sure when you take that quiz that you check out the web page that pops up right when you get your answers. You'll see uh, as you scroll down, you'll see your blueprint types in percentages. And you can take a screenshot of that so you have it for your records. You'll get an email that should have that same breakdown in it as well. But you'll often your primary blueprint is the entrance point. So for me, it'd be kinky. That is a surefire way to get me dropped in, turned on. Then it might be weaving in some sensual so I get some more relaxation and connection. And then you could play energetic mixed with kink with me and really heighten the turn on because there's this anticipation and you're not giving me what I really, you know, you're not giving me the satisfaction of the orgasm. And then you could weave back some kink and really extend the waves of pleasure and extend the lovemaking session and then sort of capping off for me would be the sexual where we're going right for it and we're headed towards orgasm and ejaculation and yay we had an amazing (laughs) sexual experience (laughs) that feels like a great place to end this conversation (laughs) um ian ferguson you've been so generous with your time and your wisdom and I, I hope that you are all feeling expanded like I am right now. Um, clearly, we could just keep expanding. And, and like you said, the kaleidoscopic effects of this converse, conversation, there's just such a, a rich journey for us to go on. Um, so again, if you want to take the quiz, eroticbreakthrough.com slash alive. Uh, if you go to neilsatin.com slash erotic, you can download the transcript from this conversation and get links to Ian and Jaya's sites. And um, Ian, it's just been such a pleasure to chat with you. And um, I, I'm really just in such appreciation of the work that you and Jaya are doing in the world. It's, it's powerful stuff. Mm, thank you, Neil. And uh, deep gratitude to you for inviting me onto the show. This is still a challenging topic to breach and really have people talk openly about. So you're on the frontier with me, and I'm grateful to have your partnership. It's so great to share the space with you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Relationship Alive. If you like what you've heard and want to make it easier for other people to find out about us, 
please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review us on iTunes. If you have questions or comments or want to continue the conversation, you can always join our Relationship Alive community Facebook group. And for more information about today's episode, visit us online at neilsatin.com slash podcast. Or you can always text the word passion, P-A-S-S-I-O-N, to the number 33444 for more information. Finally, do you have a burning question that you're hoping we can have answered here on Relationship Alive, either for a future or past guest? Let me know and I'll see what I can do. Take care and see you next time.